The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And uh, now you would have heard in the news headlines earlier today about these growing concerns over Garda shortages in stations around the country and the fear that it may invite criminality into areas. So this was first reported in the Irish Independent today. 42 stations around Ireland have no permanent Garda attached to them. Our reporter JJ Clark has been out and about on these streets asking people how they feel about Garda presence. Totally, definitely in the city centre. I live, I'm from Maynooth, so there's a definitely there's guards around Maynooth, but I don't see it in the city centre. A lot of people I know don't even like going out at night now in the city centre because you just don't see visibly guards around. Oh, definitely. We've noticed it in Galway now. That's where we're from originally, and we've noticed yeah. a real reduction in the guards. Like, you wouldn't see them most of the time. Yeah, yeah. we live in a small town, so we, we never really one, see them around. Yeah, they're never really around. We never one guard station, so... They're, yeah, they're not yeah. present at all. No. no. Never see them around, no. actually. Not necessarily. I don't think it's anything you particularly notice anyways. Um, I wouldn't have noticed a major decrease, but I suppose a little bit on the streets you won't have seen as many. How does that contribute to the way you feel safe or unsafe? I wouldn't feel safe on my own in town now. I would have gone out into town a good bit more over the weekends and that and after work, but now I'm rather just quite locally. I suppose here I would feel less safe if there wasn't guards, but like as we said, we're a small town, so yeah. it's not really that much of it's an issue, really I don't think. Yeah. No. no, I wouldn't feel safe most evenings walking home, and I'm a 31-year-old man and I don't feel safe at all, and I'm not, I'm not even joking, like I don't. Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't feel as safe um, as there's a lot of scary things going on in the world, so less guards isn't going to be great, is it? All right, those are people speaking on the streets of Dublin to our reporter, JJ uh, Clark. Uh, Declan Power is with me now, the Defence and Security Analyst. Declan, uh, I've been listening to some of the coverage of this throughout the day and some are uh, putting this story into the same category as deficiencies in the Defence Forces. And they're saying, look, there's personnel shortages across the board when it comes to security. I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate when you look at the maths, is it? No, I don't think so. I mean, there is a definite deficiency with the Defence Forces in terms of numbers. It's probably at the lowest it's been since before the Second World War. Um, the Gardaí, uh, numbers based, I couldn't say hand on heart exactly what their strength is at the minute, but I know that they had climbed up north of 15,000 uh, at one point. And even if they had dipped a bit below that, it would be ironic indeed when you consider that during the trouble, certainly when I was in uniform and worked closely alongside Gardaí eh, on border operations, that the Gardaí would have been substantially less than 15,000 in numbers. Of, eh, 12 would have been in or about 12,000 eh, strength at that stage. I think this is more of an issue in terms of configuration eh, you know, and, and utility and deployment mm. of numbers. Now, they probably, I think they are due a recruitment campaign or they're, they're in the process of one and there has been a, a, an issue of natural wastage of uh, retirements, but I don't think it's purely about just no more than in the defence forces. Neither problem will be solved by just recruiting en masse. Yeah, and that, that, that's a step in the right direction. The issue is about what systems are being used for deployment. And I know uh, within Angarda Shikhan at the moment, certainly if you talk to members of the GRA or the AGSI, the two uh, premier representative bodies, that they have had a bit of an issue with the new. Uh, system for uh, managing guarded divisions and districts, particularly at district level, um, how the command and control of that was being rearranged. Some of this may be down to closing down small stations in rural areas that were no longer kind of fit for purpose, that were yeah. created in the Victorian era for the then Royal Irish Constabulary, a totally different era of policing, uh, where the, the cosmetics of seeing a guard sitting in a station 
was was outweighed by the need for guards to be more mobile. But if you listen to what a lot of people were saying to JJ there in the, that clip, you know, it's very important regardless of whatever technology is employed to enhance smart policing, that the guard officer, the man or woman on the beat, be the most prominent tool for policing in modern day Ireland. And the relationship that that builds between the ordinary members of the community and their police officer. And that's how it should feel for them. It should feel like their police officer. The recently retired Assistant Commissioner, Pat Leahy, uh, I remember getting a very extensive brief from him some years ago when he mm. was the Chief Super uh, down at the Bridewell for uh, the North, one of the North Dublin districts. And he developed a concept called small area policing, which was really about that whole thing, about having guards get to know, especially selected guards, to get to know small parts of city and rural areas intimately and to build a relationship with them. And if that kind of thing was being pursued more, we'd probably hear a lot less of the fears being expressed in the clip. Uh, but, uh, I mean, so, I mean, is it unfair to assess the, um, I suppose, the, 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 the strength uh, of the force as it's currently constituted, given we are in something of a of a transition, as you say, you know what I mean? There, there's been disclosure of rural stations, uh, the command and control. There's been kind of reform in that regard. There's going to be a recruitment drive. I mean, I, I'll put it this way. I'm, I may be kind of wording this a little clunkily, but what I'm asking is, is there a vision? Does senior guard management, do they have a vision in mind that we are on a journey towards that? Yes, Drew Harris has implemented a new system for policing at district level. Now, that vision isn't entirely shared by a lot of people within the GRA and the AGSI. Uh, As to who's right and who's wrong, I can't entirely say. Certainly on paper, uh, some of Harris's uh, systems make a degree of sense. It's about empowering middle-ranking officers. Certainly not having the district superintendent being entirely responsible for everything. Inspectors being more responsible and more autonomous. Uh, So that should lead to more guards being where they should be uh, when they're needed, being prominent at the times of the day and night when they're needed. Now, having said that, there are other arguments to that as well. And certainly, I would know members of the force, uh, some of them uh, quite well, long-serving uh, members at Garda rank who throw their hands up to heaven at uh, the bureaucratisation of the force. Uh, and that's not just within the Garda, that's across the public service, where they would argue that management are, certainly middle to senior management, are insistent on box-ticking of forms. Uh, one, one little example that comes to mind is uh, a a local a, a guard who was responsible for a locality in a rural area in the south of this country uh, being rang about the theft of a car because he is like the classic old school guard and he knew who to call. He made the re- necessary calls to find out who was involved, where the car was likely to be and had the car restored to the owners within 24 hours. He got berated for not having filled out the paperwork, not having gone on a canvas, even though the crime was solved. So the truth, the, the, I suppose that the... What needs to be dealt with is the grey area between. You will have people that are old school and don't like new administrative procedures. You will have people who are obsessed with administrative procedures. And the the solving of any of problems of this nature is somewhere in the middle. Uh, and that takes leadership. That takes okay. leadership at the middle level. And that's what needs to be applied here. So the, the, does the same logic or the same question then apply when it comes to the Defence Forces? We've these different levels of ambition set out. There is increased resources in terms of money being directed towards them. So, like, is there a vision there? We just have to kind of bide our time? Sure. Well, we're kind of comparing apples and oranges. I, I won't get into the, the the level of detail I would like to, but suffice to say this, uh, 
Well, we need to see some uh, money spent on the level of ambition, too, that was talked about, mm. to have any hope of improving the quality of defence required for our people and our territory. But um, and that, that would, a good start would be purchase of a, a, a new primary radar. And to, to my end, from what I'm hearing, the Department of Defence aren't even properly listening or talking or taking it to people who want to, uh, to put tenders in front of them for that. A primary radar allows us at least seeing who's in our air neighbourhood, so to speak, uh, and then we can make decisions from that. But I'll, I'll add one other thing to it. The elephant in the room is that uh, we can't properly secure our national territories without having a pooled resources approach with our European neighbours and partners. Uh, anybody who thinks or says we can do it unilaterally is either a fool or a liar. What does that look like, pooled resource approach? Well, pooled resource, what we've been doing in the European Union since we joined it in every other uh, area of expertise, uh, we have pooled resources. What I would argue here is that, um, much like other countries like Australia, New Zealand, when it comes to air policing, get our primary radar so we know what's coming in. Hammer out a, a more transparent, we already have an agreement with the UK about the RAF coming in at our behest. At the moment, they don't really come in at our behest because we don't know what's going on. They tell us. If we have primary radar, we can uh, have we can be more in the driving seat. And then they can do something that they have over 100 years of experience, but they would do it under our command when they're in our airspace. Um, that suits everybody. That's, that's one example. Other things like undersea policing. We've been hearing a lot about cables uh, being under threat from Russian activity, and uh, that's not untrue. How do we deal with that? At the moment, we're relying totally on one version of electronic sensors. We need to look at a more holistic approach and pool resources with uh, other European navies, not just the British, but the French, the US. And uh, we don't have any undersea capability. Uh, We don't have any submarines. We don't have any means or submersibles even. So we should look at maybe pooling resources through PESCO, which is a European Union mechanism that allows like-minded nations close together, and that can include third Mm. nations, third status nations, which would allow the UK, and create a little mini cooperative with regards to securing those areas, rather than sticking our heads in the sand. That's grown-up defence, and it doesn't require us to join NATO, but uh, it doesn't allow us just to sit on the fence, sticking our fingers in our ears, saying, la, 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 I can't hear you, which tends to be the normal approach to defence in this country. Yeah, it's been the normal approach for some time, so I wouldn't be holding my breath to a change in any time soon, uh, Declan, despite the sense you make. Declan Power is a defence and security analyst. In fairness, Kieran says, Keith in Dublin, would you go for a career in the guards weighing up the crap money that's on offer and the utter shite they're expected to deal with on a daily basis with little or no powers or equipment to even attempt to do the job? I know what I would do. Somebody else says uh, they should reconsider the age limit for recruits. Recruits, It's far too young compared to the UK. There's plenty of over 35s that could offer a lot to the Gardaí. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.